Welcome to the Detox Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and accepting the challenge to learn, grow, and detox from anything that doesn't positively affect your life. This podcast will help you tap into your ability to be vulnerable and start the process to a better, more productive lifestyle. And now, here is your host, Joshua Hobbs. What's up, everybody? You have tuned into the Detox Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Hobbs. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Tom Pratt is in the building, y'all. We were former former co-workers. He's been a great friend. We've spent hours together talking, and he has a story to tell. And that's why we're here. Tom, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Hello there. I'm a grateful addict. My name is Tom, and I've, uh, you know, Josh and I have known each other for a while, and we're just, he, I heard him do his first, uh, his first broadcast, and, you know, I just hit him up and said, hey, what about me? And uh, he's like, yeah, what about you? What do you want to do it? And, uh, you know, it's, I'll do a little bit about myself is I just, you know, I'm, I'm an addict. I've been an addict since uh, as far back as I can remember. In February 9th of 1995, something changed. And I ended up in a detox center in Los Gatos, California. And uh, yeah, that was, the, that was the change of the rest of my life to this day. And so February 9th of this coming of uh, 23, I'll have been clean for 28 years. Wow. And it hasn't been, it hasn't been a cakewalk. You know, I always tell people, put your seatbelt on and hang on because it's one hell of a ride, but it always gets better. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this, sharing your story with us. Thank you for the vulnerable moments that we are going to have. I know this was, is difficult. Thank you for hitting me up and saying, what about me? Because this is something that um, I haven't necessarily struggled with, but there are tons of people in this world that have struggled with drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. And I think your story will help change, change people. Um, so let's just go ahead and just jump right into it Let's so do it. drugs alcohol when was the first time when was the first taste of any type of drugs alcohol and if you feel open to it share what it was uh what kind of led to that summer between third and fourth grade wow my uh, best friend's brother had went to hawaii came back from hawaii with some maui maui gave my buddy a joint the elementary school we lived was right behind our houses, and we went over there and smoked this joint, and I haven't turned back since. And it, it started out with the weed, and it went to the marijuana, and it went to pills, and it went to speed, and it went to, you know, coke. The only thing that I can honestly say is I have virgin arms, and I've never stuck a needle in my arm, but I have a lot of friends that have done it for me, so I don't have to. Right, right. So was there anything that like prompted it or was it just like, hey, we just want to try it? It was, uh, at the time, I would have never known what it was. Now, after being in the program of Narcotics Anonymous, working the steps, you know, having a higher power in my life that directs me and guides me today to do what I do, um, I've learned that a lot of it was because I was, you know, however old you are, third, fourth, fifth grade, whatever it is. Um, and I was pretty much on my own. 
my dad traveled a lot. My mom was just around, and I was out. And I did what I wanted to do, and nobody really... I mean, I know now nobody really paid attention to what I was doing. I don't want to say they didn't care because they probably did. I didn't care whether anybody cared. So right. I did what I did, and that's that was it. Right. Was there any, like, family history of this, or was this this? You're the pioneer no, that by, struck by out. It, and- I mean, I have my i have <clears throat> i have a real brother a half brother that is that was in the that was in the disease of addiction my little brother who's my half brother he's he's a alcoholic but my sister was never into it and she she got killed in a car accident in 1979 and sorry to hear that she's been she's been my guardian angel ever since and she used to tell me that this shit is going to kill you one of these days. And then she got killed and left me. Wow. And it just, I mean, I've worked through this. I've worked through this. And I've worked through this. And it just, I mean, I get like this. Just anytime I'm in a zone, in a situation like this, or, you know, having an actual discussion with somebody about the disease of addiction or you know, trying to work with a newcomer or something like that, it just, I, it just comes out. Yeah. I just, I yeah. have no control over it. Yeah. And I know mm-hmm. it's my higher power telling me you need to let more out. You still got to let right. more out. Right. No, um, definitely. Sorry to hear about that. Um, it is, it, it, it speaks something to say that she's your guardian angel. Right. Um, and I, and I, and I want to go back to that a little bit later to see if like that was part of maybe the reason why you got clean. Um, oh, oh, you'll, it'll, you'll, when you hear the, you go back to it. Yep. Just yep. go back to it. Yep. That's definitely. All I'll say. We will. We will definitely do that. Now, when you started partaking in some of these activities, was it just like fun or did life kind of hit you? And then did you start dealing with like personal issues? And then like, did it help Not, with the personal issues? Did you mask it or oh, was yeah. it just like, what, what it, can it, you explain it, that I mean, a little it, bit? It was it was a social thing. It was a fun thing, and yeah, it took it took it took me away. You know, it took it's like the Calgon take me away bath thing. You know, you 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 smoke a little weed, you do a line, you do some of this, you do some of that, and pretty soon you're off in your own world doing your own thing, and you don't remember what was behind you 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you come down, and it, it's all still there. You know, mm-hmm. and you can do. You can do what I had done before, too. And, I mean, as I was getting older and I did geographics, you know, I moved from from San Jose to L.A. Went to L.A., got in a relationship, had kids, uh, got all fucked up, walked out on my wife and my kids, and mm-hmm. went back to San Jose and realized, you know what, I, I, I was with me the whole time. I never, left, I never got away from me. Right. I went to Oregon. I did the same thing. I left Oregon in the middle of the night to come back to San Jose because I got in trouble there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just it, the geographical parts of things don't, you know, you, everybody says, oh, well, I'll do a geographical, I'll get away from here, then I'll be better. Well, the only problem is, is you bring yourself with you, mm-hmm. you know, and there's nothing worse than being in a strange neighborhood with yourself. Right, right. And you know you better than, oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we know ourselves more yeah. than anybody can ever imagine. And then, you know, our minds play tricks on us and then. 
it's a spiraling, and a spiraling like, effect. Oh, it'll be yeah. okay. You, right. you can do this. You right. can do this. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. You got the willpower to yeah. do this. Like yeah, you right. got this. You, it's under control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, now, can you elaborate a little bit on like what type of issues this has just caused in your life? Uh, three marriages, three divorces, losing everything. I've had cars, wives, kids, houses three or four times. Um, and, you know, losing, losing touch and respect with my parents to the fact where shortly before I got clean, I was on the front step of my mother's house and arguing with her about I needed some money for a hotel that night and she told me get the fuck off of her porch and I looked off to my left and here comes my grandmother with her little hobbling walk coming up to me and said if you don't get the fuck out of here I'm gonna beat your ass and call the cops and they can come pick up what's left and I was just like I got to go right you know and it was, it was shortly after that that I, that I realized that I'm this. This is not the life I want. Right, right. And I, and I made some changes. Now, were those the only key factors that kind of led to your sobriety? What else kind of happened that really, really shook you up? Are there any true defining moments where you're just like, you know what, enough is enough? I, I don't, I, I, I don't really know of anything that I could pin it on as in one specific thing. There was. Probably numerous little things that were trivial that just, you know, when you get enough trivial things, it makes it into a volcano and then all of a sudden it just blows. And that's what happened. It blew up one night and I was laying on the bed in my house and my ex-wife told me, she goes, you're going, you're going to the psych unit. I can't, I'm not going to deal with you. You've lost it. Mm-hmm. And that was on February 8th of 95. And as of February 9th of 95, I've never found the need to put any kind of drink, drug, or pill in my body, smoke, nothing. And uh, and like I said before, you know, it's, it hasn't been easy, but it, it's, it, and it hasn't, it hasn't always been good, believe mm-hmm. me, but it's mm-hmm. a whole hell of a lot better than it would be if I was out there. Right. So you said it, it hasn't been easy. So what's the driving force after almost 28 years of sobriety? The easiest way to, to describe it is, is, you know, like we say in, in the program, you do it one day at a time. Yeah, You know, you can't, yesterday, as my sponsor would say, yesterday's a canceled check, tomorrow's a promissory note, all Mm -hmm. you got is today, Mm -hmm. you know, and we got to live today for today, because I should have been dead yesterday, and I could be dead tomorrow, all I got is today, I got to live today for what it is, and I got to respect my higher power, and I got to love, I got to love my life today, as bad as it might be some days, mm-hmm. you know, I know that I know that it could be worse and I know that it could be better, but I know it can't be any better than it is right now. Right. In you this know? present I'm moment. In, I'm in right. the present. Right. You know, and that's it's you know, it's as we get into this a little more, it'll probably come out a little more. But the last couple of months have been real hell. Mm hmm. And can you elaborate on kind of just what's what's been going on? Right. Because after 28 years or almost 28 years, people would think, well, he, he's got it in the bag. You know, his, his life is on track. He has work. He's doing all of these things. Right. Like, can you elaborate? I've. I've got to, 
32, 34-year-old son that on the street in Sacramento, uh, addicted to fentanyl, dealing fentanyl, and uh, he put a, he put some pictures on Snapchat. I think it was Friday night, and uh, and I saw those, and I've just been. I've been a disaster ever since, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at these pictures and I know, I know that's not my son. Mm -hmm. I know that's fentanyl drugs, you know? I mean, he's got scars and wounds on his chest that are, you know, an inch deep where he's digging at stuff. And, you know, he's filthy dirty and he's packing heat and, you know, and he just, he doesn't care. You know, he doesn't he doesn't understand that this is going to kill him or lock him up for the rest of his life. And he doesn't care, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to remember. I have to remember for myself that there is nothing I can do for him. I have offered him help. He was at uh, hanging out in a homeless camp up in Phoenix. And I went up there two times to try and pull him out of there. And he said he couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. He had things to do. And I said, motherfucker, you ain't got shit to do. You need to get your ass in this car and let's go. And he said, I can't go, man. I can't go. Mm-hmm. And I had to roll the window up and tell my son that I love you, mm-hmm. but don't call me no more mm-hmm. and drive away from downtown Phoenix to Gilbert at 120 miles an hour crying like a little baby because my son wouldn't listen. Right. And I can't do nothing about it, and I have to be okay with that. I don't have any Narcotics Anonymous, another, you know, one of the other things, man, I, I will revert back to Narcotics Anonymous a lot because that is what saved my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to, you know, do any plugs or anything for Narcotics Anonymous. It's an anonymous program, obviously, but it's my life. And, uh, you know, I've learned in there that the only thing I can do is carry the message. I can't carry the addict. And I have to, I have to back off when I have to back off. And Narcotics Anonymous is for people who want it, not to who need it. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people. God knows, there's a lot of people who need it. Right. But there's a lot more people who want it and can't get it. Right. I've got two friends right now that just barely celebrated uh, two and three years that have been in this program for over 35 years and have have and just now got their first year or two. Right. Because they right. just couldn't get it. And it wasn't for lack of trying. It wasn't for, you know, it was, it was, they just couldn't get it. Mm -hmm. They just, they weren't to the point where God said, okay, you're done now. I need you over here. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I got lucky when I got clean in 95. I, my God took me out of it, took me away from it and gave me the ability to, took away the obsession to use drugs almost immediately, but it didn't take away some of the other obsessions, you right. know? I mean, like right. fighting and, right. and arguing and, mm-hmm. and um, cheating and stealing and, and manipulating. And, you know, that's taken years of work to get through that stuff. And I'm not good at it still. You know, I have character defects now that I always make jokes in meetings and it's not really a joke, but 
The sixth and seventh step in Narcotics Anonymous are your character defects, and you, you make a list of your character defects, and you ask your higher power to re- remove them from you. Mm-hmm. You know, and every once in a while, I'll reach back in the bag and grab a few of them out and play with them just to see if they still work. <laughs> yeah. Just because you know, it's it's who I am. I'm a, right. I'm a character. I'm right. a comic. I like to have fun, right. and I got to know the shit doesn't still work. Otherwise, why am I getting rid of it? If go. I can make it work again, I'm going to make it work, and right. it never does. Right. Right. That's some strength, though, you know, to definitely deal, knowing the battles that you've been through and now seeing your own children, you know, go through these battles. And now you have to deal with that. But I would say that you're you're a testament and an example. Right. Um, And I do believe that there is always hope. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Hope is my hope is my biggest thing. Right. Because without hope, you'll die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have to have hope and you have to. You have to remember that you always have to be honest, open-minded, and willing to get this program. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of people that if they're not honest, open-minded, and willing, that's why it takes them so long. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's another little saying we have is you're only as sick as your secrets. You know, you keep secrets, it's gonna fuck you up, and you ain't gonna get nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry to say it's gonna. Yeah, it, yeah. you got You got to be honest and open. Yeah, and I struggle with that sometimes, but you know, I, I. I do the best I can do. So we talk about drugs and alcohol, but we don't we we haven't touched on the availability of them. Right? Like for for somebody like me, like I I wouldn't know where to go get, you know, some of this stuff. Down the street and make a right, and I guarantee you you'll find it. So it's always available if you have the right contacts or you know you where to even, look. You don't even have to know where to look. All you got to know is who to look for. Wow. It's everywhere. Wow. It is everywhere. And nowadays there's stuff on these streets nowadays that I don't even know what it is. This mm-hmm. fentanyl. I mm-hmm. worked in a, I took NA meetings into a detox center about three years ago before the pandemic started. And, you know, and um, I was doing a meeting inside of this detox center and this dude said he OD'd on fentanyl. And I looked at my buddies and I'm like, whoa, what's fentanyl? <laughs> I, I had no idea right. what it was. Right. You know, that shit was, I mean, it's an opioid, yes, but I didn't, I'd never heard of it. And now it's killing everybody. Right. And one grain, one one grain, one piece of fentanyl the size of a grain uh, grain of sand will kill you. Wow! And it's it's no joke. And now they got this new stuff called rainbow fentanyl. It's stronger, and they they say they they colored it to look like um, tricks, and so it's for kids. Right. You know, and they've got literally got people that go around to schools and hand or parties and hand this stuff out and get these people addicted to it, and then come back and sell it to them. Mm-hmm. And it's people like that that I just like to go down and just, mm-hmm. yeah, right, right, uh-huh. <laughs> right. No, I, we'll I definitely understand that. <laughs> I understand that. So there's a marketing aspect to this exactly. as well, right? Exactly. You create a need. I have the supply. Right. Wow. Um. So let's go back to your sister because she seems to be somebody that's out of everybody you've talked about, very, very special. Um, and as your guardian angel, can you just kind of tell about your relationship with her and what does that, Go ahead. yeah, what does that look like? What does that feel like the, before she passed away? Like what, what was that? And how do you describe how you feel her presence now? I feel her presence every day, Yeah, every day. Um, and you know, there's another one that fits in with that. 
who you might remember, uh, Celeste, when she got, she worked at Payton. I don't remember if that was before you got there or after, but she was a friend of mine. She was a girl that worked with us at, at where we worked, and she got killed in a car accident right around the corner from our work. And oh, I do. She had that. left. She had yeah. left work at lunch, and I was at the front desk. Yep. And she goes, "Tom, Tom," and I said, "What, man? Hold on." And she goes, "No, I got to go. I'll tell you when I get back from lunch." And she made it down around the corner and got killed. And she right. was the same age. Um, got killed the same exact way that my sister did. She got T-boned from the right side and died. And when I found out she got in an accident that night, I went straight home. And I'm a, I'm a San Francisco 49er fan like she was. She came to work that day with a brand new 49er shirt on. And as she was getting in the elevator to go upstairs with her hair wet because she was coming into work late, she goes, Tom, look at my new shirt. And she had on a 49er shirt, and that's what she got, you know, that's what she pretty much died in was a 49er right. shirt. Right. And this girl was the exact same age as my sister, got killed pretty much the same way as my sister. And, uh, you know, she was just, she was a 19-year-old girl that was a friend of mine that I didn't realize until she got killed what the, the, the connection was. Mm -hmm. um, with my sister... She got killed in 79 on February 9th, which is my clean day, mm -hmm. which I did not realize for about two and a half years after I got clean. I got clean on December 4th the first time. Mm -hmm. I relapsed so I could get clean again on February 9th, the day my sister got killed. But I didn't know that. Right. That was my higher power saying... She's going to watch over you. She's going to take care of you. It was actually just a year or two ago was the first time that I actually woke up in the morning on my recovery birthday and started crying. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and all of a sudden I get this, you know, you need to not only thank God for getting you clean, but you need to thank God for your sister because this is the day that she gave her life for you to be able to have somebody to watch over you and mm -hmm. take care of you. And it just, I mean, it just, wow. it spun me out that whole right. day, you know, because it's like, I didn't realize, like I said, I didn't realize it for a couple of years after I got clean. I didn't put those two dates together or the one date together, right? you know? And that was a, that was a very big, a very big thing in my life when I finally realized it, you know, excuse me, that I had a higher power that was working in my life, you know, because I only had a couple of years clean when I realized mm -hmm. that. And I finally, it hit me that, you know what? It is, it is my higher power. It's not me. I can't do this without him. Right. Right. You know, and I'm, and believe me, I am nowhere near, and you can attest to this. I am nowhere near a religious man, but I'm, I'm as spiritual as I can be. Right. Right. So let's break away from some of these other questions. And I can just tell you, um, man to man, right? We met years and years ago, but you've been an example to others. You've built really, really strong connections and relationships with a lot of different people. What is the cause of that, right? Like, is it because you've dealt with so much pain and you just want to help people because you got a good heart? Like you have a solid heart. I've seen um, things firsthand. We've spent hours talking 
and 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 working together so like does this push you you being clean and you dealing with so much loss and pain does that push you to become this man that you are today and constantly work on yourself and constantly help others because you'll give you'll give your own shirt to somebody i've seen it um time and time again right so yeah it is uh my you know my calling right now is is helping a newcomer you know Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm working on a I'm working on a business to open a business to solidly, um, solidly deliver the message and create a safe haven for newcomers and people who are, you know, who might not otherwise be able to get this program. And I want to. I mean, I'll, I'll just come out and say, I want to open some recovery houses that are very structured. You know, there's there are, and I'm not knocking anybody that does them, but there are some recovery houses out there that, that aren't a structured program. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't think, I know that when I got clean, I needed, I got clean, in, again, in San Jose, California, by a bunch of Nazis. You know, their thing was sit down, shut up, Take the cotton out of your ears, stick it in your mouth. You don't know shit. I don't want to hear you say nothing for 90 days. Just listen. You know, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. When you get done with that, go to 90 more. Um, You know, get a sponsor, work the steps. And just remember, keep your mouth shut and take, take suggestions from others. And I don't... I don't want to say that I'm the Nazi, but that's the way I am to this day. You know, I, I have a buddy right now that I that I need to get a hold of, actually, because he'd been in the hospital and he's been suffering with the disease and he's had a lot of heart issues. And, and he reached out to me and I'm fighting with the issue of um, he's got PTSD and a few of those other things and he mm-hmm. smokes a lot of weed to calm the, the mm-hmm. PTSD and I'm fighting with the fact of how I'm how I deal with that to help him because in my program I'm a complete abstinence. I don't take nothing no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know I'll take an aspirin, but right. Right. Um, so that's you know that's another thing that's kind of been on my mind lately is trying to sort through how I'm going to help my brother to get clean and say, try and save his life through the program of Narcotics Anonymous. But I also have to be okay with the fact of either I got to either and I and I, I know what I got to do. I got to tell them that you know if you're gonna smoke the weed, I can't I can't do mm-hmm. it. I might be able to find mm-hmm. somebody to help you, but right. your my, particular program right. is not going to. My yeah. driving force right. is the fact that I don't want to see any. I mean, I don't. People need not die mm-hmm. in this program because they can't get any help. And I'm I'm doing everything I can to be one of those people that. Puts myself out there and says, you know what? I had a, just real quickly, I had a, we sh- we had a meeting out in Maricopa that just got shut down last weekend on Sunday. And the church decided they didn't want us there anymore. And within 20 minutes, myself and another addict put together an idea. I went to the church. I waited for people to show up. They didn't know the meeting wasn't there. We moved it around the corner to a park. Mm-hmm. Within 20 minutes, I had 17 people sitting in a park on chairs and blankets, reading all the NA literature off of my phone, and we had an awesome meeting, and you know, and maybe saved somebody's life that night. Right. Just right. because I said 
I'm not going to close the doors and not let anybody know where this meeting is at. Right. And that's that's just me. You know, that's it's to answer your question, the driving force, my father. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, my higher power is what drives me because he won't let me, he won't let me back down. You right. know, if I try right. and back down, it's like, no, dude, you got to do this. Yeah. You know, and... And I and I I'm I'm grateful for that, you right. know, because left to my own devices, as my sponsor would say again, left to my own devices, I'll fuck up a box of cornflakes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that easy, you know. You don't have right. to be a rocket right. scientist to get this program, but you gotta, you know, you gotta do the work. Definitely understand that. It sounds like you have that passion and that purpose and that drive, and it just keeps pushing you and to can, that next yeah, level. I can, right. I, mean, I can just I could go on and on. Right. But it's, you know, it's just, it's a, it's just a matter of, I don't want to see, there's no reason for another addict to, to die and suffer like my son's doing right now. Right. You know, right. I mean, he's suffering. He don't know it. He doesn't, and he didn't, probably didn't care. Are there, are there programs like right now, say we walk outside and we find somebody and they say, Hey, I need help. Do you think there's adequate enough programs around to start that foundation of building back people's life back do you think there's holes in that foundation do you think there's holes in the system can you like elaborate like being through so much what would you say needs work structure structure okay i mean it's i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bash any of the programs because every single program has got a little bit of something that works and one of the other things that we say is uh you know if I carry doing this podcast with you today, if if I carry the message and one addict hears one thing that I say that changes their life, I did my job. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, if fifteen of them hear something that they like, you know, I'm overpaid. Right. You know. Right. Um, but structure. You know, right. there's a lot of these. There's a lot of these programs out there, and there's a lot of people that work in these programs. And again, I'm not bashing anybody, and I'm not saying anything. Yep. You know, nothing personal. But there's a lot of there's a lot of people that take this kind of stuff the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. there needs to be structure. I know we are addicts, and we're scattered all over the place because that's what we do, mm-hmm. and. When we pull it all back in together, we need structure for, I mean, the the, the programs used to be 18 months. Now they're 30 days. Yeah. So, I mean, if that tells you anything. Right, right. So, are there programs out right now that maybe I can provide links or something so that if someone hears this, they can click on the link and start getting some help or something like that? Any type of advice from that standpoint? Like, where would would we start? you know, one of the best things to do, I, for me, is um, na.org. I think is what the, and then you go into the Arizona thing, and there's okay. a there's a there's a hotline. Okay. That you can call. Okay. And they can there's people that are answering the hotline that are you know recovering addicts, and they will help you to get to a you know they will try and place you somewhere. If nothing else, they'll get you to another addict like myself yep. that can talk to you and try and, you know, at least keep you clean for that minute mm-hmm. and maybe enough time to get to you to take you to a meeting or to take you to a detox. And yes, there are a lot of detoxes around here that are I don't I don't know 
that much about him in this state because you know, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm from, I mean, I've been here for 20 years, but I'm from California and I know a lot of stuff in California. But yes, there is a there's a few out here in, in Arizona that are I've heard are good, but you know, you can always there's the the, the suicide line for people who you know just think they can't make it through the night. Mm-hmm. They've changed. They just changed the suicide line number. And I can't remember what it is now off the top of my head, but you know, yeah, there is a lot of programs that are yeah. that are helpful. Yeah. And you know, if if you have a loved one that that needs help, you know, just Google Narcotics Anonymous and it'll come up and give you, you know, or if, if they're if they're an alcoholic, you know, I have I have nothing against the program of AA. It just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I I am an addict. I have the disease of addiction. And my addiction runs rapid in runs rapid in all kinds of areas. It doesn't. Right. It isn't just drugs. Right. right. You know, it's sex, drugs, it's rock and roll, it's gambling, it's food, it's you know, w- women in general, it's cars, it's whatever, you right. know. And um, and in the disease of addiction and 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 NA, I can work my steps on anything in my life to. That you no. struggle with yeah. or anything like that, yeah. that you have challenges with. Awesome. Right. Yeah. And I want to provide some links for, for the people as well. Right. Just I will, anybody. I, I, I'll, I'm not in that, I'm not in that wave right now, but I, we can get, we can get some stuff when I'm thinking on that line. Right. And I right. can, I can, yeah, we can get, we can put some stuff up. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Now, word of advice, like for anybody that's struggling out right now, Hey, I can't move forward. I can't make it. I can't break this addiction. I've tried. Willpower is not enough. What would your words of advice be or words of encouragement to help these people push themselves forward to, to try to get clean? Don't take nothing, no matter what you won't get loaded. It's as simple as that. I mean, it sounds, it sounds corny as hell when somebody says that, you know. But the one thing that that we preach a lot of is, if you don't take nothing, you can't get loaded. And mm-hmm. you know, in our readings, it says sometimes you got to not. Sometimes you got to knock it down to thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to do nothing for for another minute, and then you can work up to five minutes, and then you can work up to twenty minutes, and you might make it up to an hour. And you might you might fall off, mm-hmm. and then you got to start all over. But you know, my our the <laughs> I, I you know sometimes I feel like an ass because I repeat some of the stupid shit that my sponsor says. But <laughs> you know, his thing is if he's if he's trying to help somebody, and he'll say, you know, I only I only ask one question of you. If you're gonna if you're gonna get loaded, call me, but call me before you get loaded because if you call me afterwards, you're not gonna like what you hear. Right. And everybody goes, what's that? And he says, click. Yeah. As he hangs right. up the phone. Because right. we don't want to talk to you. We can't talk to you when you're loaded. Now, if you want to cry in my ear and scream and yell and bitch and gripe and complain and you're not loaded and you haven't got loaded, man, I'll be there in a heartbeat to yeah. help you do anything I can yeah. do to help you from getting loaded. Yeah. But and knowing you, I know that that's 100% true. And if you're, if you're already <laughs> loaded, guess what? Call me in the morning when you, yeah. when you sober yeah. up a little bit and we'll talk about how stupid you were and try and remind you that, you know what, you could have called me before you did that, right. and you wouldn't be feeling the way you are right now. Right, right. And yes, you do know that I would drop, yep. I, you've seen me drop yep. things and run. Yep, no, and, and that's something that I always admire, because you're a man of the people, 
right? Anybody that needs help, you're always there, right? And my kids have told me that. I mean, I, my daughter-in-law just, she tells me all, because we both got into the, my, the kids that I call my kids are my stepkids, but they're still my kids. I don't mm-hmm. give a shit what anybody says, but <laughs> my daughter-in-law tells me all the time, why didn't you warn me about this damn family? I said, you got here before I did, even if it was a couple months. <laughs> and uh, she just, she tells me all the time, she goes, I don't know how you handled these guys. Right. And I said, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. just knew that I loved these kids from day one. And we fought. I mean, I've had my, I had my oldest son throw a phone across the room, a cordless phone back when you had cordless phones, throw it across the room and almost take my head off and put a dent in the door. And, you know, it, it is what it is. Right. It was, right. You know? Yeah. It's it like is siblings fighting. Right. You know, yeah. you knock yeah. each other out, you get yeah. up. You know, you yeah. make up and you go on to school the next still day. still love you know? each other. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and I love these kids with all my heart today and do anything I can for them when I can. Right. No, and that's beautiful. You that's know, beautiful. I've got, I got the four kids. I got 15 or something, 15, 16 grandkids and four or five great grandkids now, you know, and it's like, and I'm going to say this just to mess with my my grandson and my granddaughter-in-law but their two kids can't stand me and i don't know why <laughs> but i love you guys both there you go uh, <laughs> banks and banks and saint you know i'm here whenever you're ready right but, uh, right you know it's i mean i i like to joke i like to have fun but when it comes to the getting serious part you know better you know as well as anybody because we did spend a lot of mm-hmm. you know hours just mm-hmm. talking up on top of a parking garage yep and yep. uh and you know, and I'll I'll do whatever I can. Yeah. You know, and I don't care who it is. That's I mean, awesome. I it's, it's hard to say because it would be hard to do. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you know, if my ex-wife got to the point where she really needed something, I'd probably jump to help her. And and she can't stand me, and I can't stand her. The feelings mutual, but I probably still would do it. Right. Just because that's who you are. You know, that's yeah. your character. Yep. That's your character. I love that, man. So in closing, is there anything else that you would love to tell anybody or tell people? Another one of the little slogans, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. You know, K-I-S-S. And one day at a time, get, yep. get, get to a meeting, hook up with an addict. You mm-hmm. know, we're everywhere. Yep. You know, a lot of times we, we keep a low key. I don't. I never have. I don't give a shit. You know. My mom tells me all the time, well, you say that shit like you're proud of it. Right, I'm proud of it. Because if it, if I wouldn't have done what I did to do what I am, where, to get where I am today, I wouldn't be where I am. Yep. You know? Yep. I mean, I travel the world. I go on cruises, you know, a couple times a year. And, you know, I I work my ass off. I mean, I was just telling Josh this when I got, when we before we started this, I've been going like seven or eight months without a day off. Because I, and he knows, and he just laughs and goes, yeah, I don't doubt that. Um <laughs> But that's just the way I am, you know. I, I I work hard, I play hard, and I and I love hard, you know. Right, and I recover, right. I, re- I I recover as easy as I can. But I don't, I you know, don't ever think that it's easy. Right. You know, you right. got to put a hundred and ten percent in every single day, every single minute of your life for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. to be able to have the life that you have, to get your kids back from CPS, to get your parents back in your life, to get respect back from your siblings, to get mm-hmm. whatever it is you need back, 
that you have screwed up in your life to this point, you can get those things back with mm-hmm. with these steps, with you know, with working the steps in Narcotics Anonymous, with working with a higher power. All you got to do is change. And, and I've been, I work in a recovery house part-time now, and that's a lot of what I do with these, with the people in the recovery houses. You ain't never going to get shit from your, you know, these, I, excuse me, I have one, I have one of the clients right now that's, an 18-year-old female that is was spoiled rotten, and I and I I call her the the rot, spoiled rotten bitch, and she just laughs, you know, because she knows it's true. And I told her, I said, you will never ever get anywhere in this world until you change your attitude and respect the fact that your parents did not do anything wrong, and you take everything out on your parents. Mm-hmm. You're the one that did X, Y, and Z and mm-hmm. got where you are today. Mm-hmm. And until you realize that, you, you can't do this. Thing. Yep. You know, you've got to realize your mistakes, your wrongs, and that it's, it, you know, it wasn't the cop that pulled me over is the reason why I got the DUI. It's not the, the dude that I, that I smacked upside the head because I was drunk and, he, and it got in my face and I beat his ass. It's not him the reason I went to jail. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the cops that came in and took me to jail. You just got to realize that it's all you. And you cannot do this thing until you love yourself. You can't. I can't love him. I can't love anybody else until I learn how to love myself. And sometimes, some days, I don't know how to love myself. Right. You know, it took me a long time to be able to look in a mirror when I shaved. Wow. You know, I. I mean, I, it's still. Sometimes it's still kind of you know <laughs> out of the corner of the eye because right. you know yeah. there's days where I don't. There's days where I don't feel it. Right. You know, I, I try and keep on an even keel as most as I can, but I remember many days in my disease when I couldn't even look in a mirror wow. at myself to shave. And, you know, now I can look in a mirror and tell myself, you know what, I love you. You're all right. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful, man. No, I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank no, you for I want coming to thank on, you because sharing your story, man. This is this. I've I've found out some things about you that I didn't even yeah. know, and we've spent hours yeah. talking, you know, in the past. Um, this is really, really encouraging. Just because we might not have everybody might not have addictive personalities, right. but there are challenges in our lives that we can still look at and say, "Hey, I can apply some of what he's saying." Right. To exactly. this, not because I'm addicted to narcotics or anything, but we have right. challenges that we struggle with. But just taking it one day at a time, minute by minute, hour by hour, and pushing through. Um, I think it's beautiful that you said you can look at yourself and say, I love me. Because I always say this if you don't love yourself, how can anybody else? Yep. And that's the way when I'm in a meeting and in my NA meetings tonight, that's usually the way I end when I have, when I do a little. You know, say a little something in the meeting. That's the way I usually end it was, if nobody's told you today they love you, I love you. Oh, that's Even awesome. Even if I don't know you. That's awesome. Well, I love you, brother. I love you too, man. And thank you very much yep. for the opportunity. Yep. to. And, you know, again, I said it once and I'm going to say it again. You know, whoever you are out there, if you need a hug, come find me. I'm here. You know, I'll give you that hug today. And I love you. And... uh you know, you never have to get loaded again. It's over. It's awesome. The lie is dead. We do recover. You heard it here first. Tom Pratt, thank you so much for coming in, doing this podcast with me, and just sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you.